0: Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Texam Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week's Dharma Talk is entitled Generosity, the Way of the Bodhisattva by Lama Tom Broadwater. In this Dharma Talk, Lama Tom continues exploring the journey of the Bodhisattva, looking at the transcendent virtue of generosity and how this is far different from ordinary virtue If you like our Dharma Talk series please consider donating to Columbus Karma Texum Choling at columbusktc.org Enjoy the podcast
1: Good morning. Everyone staying warm. <laughs> so, again, good morning. Um, So let's start with our motivation, why did we come here? Um, and there could be all kinds of different reasons why we came, but the very best motivation we can have in coming to a Dharma center is with the desire to benefit beings, all beings, particularly th- those closest to us our brothers, our sisters, our wives, our parents, um, those that we have a close association with. That's really the best motivation to come here because you want to be a benefit to all those folks. But it's also important to come here because you want to benefit even those that have harmed you that have disappointed you, that you want to be of benefit to them also. One of the things we do when we start any Dharma talk is to do the refuge prayer. And basically what we're doing in the refuge prayer is we're looking ahead to our own enlightenment. And in that awakening, to remember all sentient beings and their suffering, and think that if I could, I would relieve that suffering. So the refuge prayer, you have it on the little plastic sheet. We'll say it together three times in English. In the Buddha, the Dharma, and the assembly most excellent, I take refuge until I reach enlightenment. By the merit of generosity and other good deeds, may I achieve enlightenment for the sake of all beings. In the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Assembly Most Excellent, I take refuge until I reach enlightenment. By the merit of generosity and other good deeds, may I achieve enlightenment for the sake of all beings. We'll say it one more time. <laughs> In the Buddha, the Dharma, and the assembly most excellent, I take refuge until I reach enlightenment. By the merit of generosity and other good deeds, may I achieve enlightenment for the sake of all beings. So we've had really busy days just getting here you know, getting dressed, taking a shower, doing all the stuff we had to do. So let's just take a moment to relax. Don't have to think about anything. Just pay attention to your breath and relax, allowing all those busy thoughts that you have to sort of dissolve. So let's just do this for two or three minutes. Allow your busy mind to unwind. Not thinking thoughts about the past or worries about the future. Just be present here now. So, today, the talk is about generosity. Um, And I want you to, just for a second here, what comes to your mind when you think generosity? And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask at the end, how does that match up with what we've talked about in this talk today? So just think for a few minutes about what does generosity mean to you? What comes to your mind? So generosity is one of the six paramitas, virtues of a bodhisattva. In previous talks, I've talked about the way of the bodhisattva. The bodhisattva is sort of our hero, our warrior, who uh, is journeying towards enlightenment. And it takes courage, um, and we'll, we'll describe that in a little bit, why that's so. He has two qualities, or she has two qualities. And we call that bodhicitta, ultimate and relative. Ultimate bodhicitta is that heart of enlightenment that's already there in us, yet to be discovered. Relative bodhicitta is the means by which we get to this heart of enlightenment. <clears throat> so we describe ourselves on that journey as bodhisattvas, persons striving for the enlightened mind. You know, if I ask any of you, How do you identify yourselves? You might say, I'm a parent, I'm a teacher, I'm a student, I'm a grandparent, a sister. We have all kinds of different identities. But from the Buddhist perspective, the very best identity we could have is to have the identity of a bodhisattva. All these other relative Uh, identities that we have, eventually we'll lose them, you know, at some point or another we'll lose these identities. But a bodhisattva, an identity as a bodhisattva is an identity we can take clear to enlightenment through all future lives. So how do we become enlightened? Well, according to the Buddhist path, it is by the uh, performance of virtue. Bodhisattvas are engaged in virtue. And the chief one of those, the first one of those is generosity. I really love talking about this topic because generosity is like the mother of all virtues. It's like the gate to every other virtue we may practice on our way to enlightenment. It opens the door to every other virtue, generosity. So that's why I like to talk about it. You might say, well, why is it the mother of all virtues? According to the Buddhist path, there are um, six virtues. First is generosity. The next one is ethics or ethical behavior. And how could we ever be ethical if we weren't generous to other people, being kind to other people, being loving to other people? We can't be ethical without the virtue of generosity. And then the next one is patience how could I be patient if I'm not first generous? Because there's lots of times I'm in situations where mm, I might might not be so patient with you. (laughs) And so I need to be generous, kind, offering myself to you, even in those moments when I don't always feel patient. How could I, the other virtue is enthusiastic effort. It's also called discipline. How could I be enthusiastic about performance of virtue if I weren't first generous, giving myself over to a discipline, giving myself over to um, working hard? So all the virtues depend upon ge- uh, generosity. And it said that the Buddha, the first virtue he spoke about was the virtue of generosity. So the talk that I'm going to give today comes from this book. It's sort of like the catechism. And if you were former Catholics, you know what I'm talking about. This is sort of like the catechism for Buddhists. It's called the Jewel Ornament of Liberation. And it was uh, composed by Gampopa, a great uh, lineage master. Uh, the talk also is the result of my listening to six hours of tapes of uh, uh, Kenpo Ken Holmes. He's on YouTube and he gave a beautiful uh, six-hour talk on generosity. I'm not going to give you a six-hour talk here. <laughs> I'm going to try to uh, condense that down a bit uh, to 45 minutes, hopefully. Um, but that's, that's been the inspiration of my talk. It's a, it's a traditional talk. Um, and I don't usually go that route. I like to, you know, tart up my talks a little bit with different uh, stories and so forth. But I'm going to give you strictly what Gompopo says about generosity. And I'll give a few comments uh, in the meantime. So what does Gompopo say uh, generosity is? He says it is giving without attachment. Really a simple definition. To give without any attachment. A way I could see this as um, being openness to others and their needs, always being there present, open and willing to be present for others. That's another definition of uh, generosity. But Gompopo says generosity is giving without any attachment. And he says there are three things we can give. The first thing is we can give our resources, our wealth. And that helps people, you know, keep their body and mind together, you know, giving them food, giving them clothing, giving them shelter, those kind of things. That's giving our wealth. The next thing we can give, this is really a, interesting one. He calls it fearlessness. We can give each other fearlessness. And that, and we'll explain that in a minute. And then finally, we can give dharma. We can, we can give the Buddhist teachings to one another. So there's three things we can give, wealth, fearlessness, and dharma. So let's first talk about wealth, giving our money, to other people, or our resources to other people. He says there's impure motivation for doing that and pure motivation. And he said the impure motivation would be to harm somebody, or you give because you want fame. You know, there's a big donor. There's someone that's really important. That would be a bad motivation or giving to compete with somebody else. You know, so-and-so gave this much money, I'll give this much more. So those would be impure motivations. Then he said there are impure materials we can give. For example, giving weapons to another person, giving guns or something of this sort, that would be an, an impure gift So giving anything that would be harmful to another person, thought that comes to my mind, uh, giving a a bottle of whiskey to someone who's a recovering alcoholic Christmas, that would be a harmful gift. You would not want to do that. But anything that caused suffering, we don't want to give to somebody else. And he also says, and this is really interesting, he says, if you have a lot, to give a little is impure, it is not good. So if you have a lot of resources, and you're really miserly in giving to other people, um, that's really not giving. That's not being generous. Then there are what he called impure recipients of our generosity. And those would be people, it would be, for example, giving food or drink to a glutton. (laughs) That would be one one way of looking at it. Then he said, there's an impure method or way to give. And that would be if I gave and I was really unhappy about it. You ever, have you ever done that? You gave something, and they're, oh shoot, I wish I had given that away. So um, being unhappy in the way you give would be a bad thing. Giving with disdain. I was, uh, back in 2016, I went to, uh, to Tibet and around every shrine is uh, be- are beggars. And uh, I remember one time we went to a shrine and there were just uh, lots of mothers with their babies begging. And one of the, uh, in our party, went up to one of the beggars and said, You should give your child to the monastery and stop this begging and do honest work. And then dropped a quarter in her begging bowl. That's giving with a little bit of disdain, wouldn't you say? So the idea here is that if you give, you give with respect. So, you know, you don't don't give while scolding somebody, you know, you see these folks along the highway and you stop sometimes. Don't give them a lecture or something of this sort. If they need, you give. Then, so we've talked about the impure things involved in generosity. Now let's talk about the pure generosity. The pure material that we give, the best is ourselves. If we are pure in our generosity, we are giving ourselves. Um, in some texts, you'll read about actually giving body parts, right? <laughs> the Buddha actually, in one of his former lives, gave his body to a hungry tigress. Well, we're not, we're not being asked to do that. <laughs> but the idea here is that we give of ourselves. We truly, when we're giving, we're giving over ourselves. Who should we give to? Well, first of all, give to folks that uh, are teaching the Dharma, the, uh, the center. Not me personally, but to the center. That's a good recipient of your generosity. Then you can give to those people who are helpful to you. But also, and here's the big one, give to your enemies. Give yourself over to your enemies. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But what's the idea behind generosity? The idea behind generosity is becoming selfless, not being so concerned about ourselves. We know the, first, uh, the second noble truth is that our suffering is a result of our selfishness. So time in generosity we can give, we reduce our selfishness and create happiness. Another thing to think about when we're giving is to do it with devotion. Meaning here, I'm happy before I give it, I'm happy during the time I'm giving it, and after I've given. Throughout that whole process, from beginning to end, I'm happy. I'm devoted to this generous giving. Ganpobo also talks about giving at the right time. And that's real simple. Give only when you have the resources to give. In other words, don't say, I'll give to you when I get the money. No, just wait until you actually have it to give it, and not before. It also says, and this is, maybe doesn't apply to us, but it said, don't give things that ha- you've, you've robbed. <laughs> you know, if you've robbed from somebody, you don't give that to somebody else. You give it back to the person you've robbed. <laughs> the other thing Gompopa says is, give repeatedly. What does that mean? Oftentimes, you know, you'll you'll give and you say, I've given at the office, now I've got my little badge, I don't have to give again. (laughs) A bodhisattva, someone who is generous, is always thinking about how can I give? How can I help? It's never a time you can say, I'm done, I got my badge, and I go on. Generosity. Is something that we give until we awaken fully. And then it's just spontaneous. Now we have to think about it. I think of somebody like Kimball Carter Rinpoche, my teacher, who at the age of 94 was still giving. He never stopped. So, Gampopa says, give repeatedly, and he says to give without bias. Not, you know, you're worthy, but you're not. I'll give to you because uh, you're wearing a white shirt. I won't give to you because you're wearing a dark shirt. I'm generous and without bias, and I give what you need. I sometimes, and this is just my, in parentheses here, just what I'm thinking. I sometimes wonder about folks that have these little packets of, of um, you know, toiletries and stuff like that. And they pass that out to the homeless when they stop at a stop sign. You know, maybe the person really needed money and dental floss was not one of those things that he needed or she needed. They needed money. You might think, well, they might drink it all up. Well, how do you know that? You don't know. They're there. Obviously they're not there because they want to be there. So you give. Well, you know, you don't have to. But if you do, give freely without bias and without disdain. Now, the next, so we've, we've talked about wealth. Now we're going to talk about fearlessness. We can give fearlessness. What's that mean? That means protection to those that need protected. It might be someone that's being bullied, someone that is being oppressed, someone who has been being abused. <clears throat> if we can help them We are giving fearlessness. So that's real simple, giving fearlessness to those that are fearful, immigrants, migrants, people that are oppressed. Now, so the third category of generosity is is to give dharma to give uh, what we know are the Buddhist teachings, to give that. The most important thing here is the recipient should be willing. (laughs) Don't, you know, sometimes in our excitement as a beginner in Dharma, we we know how much good that has done us. And we wanna go preach it to (laughs) to our families. And oftentimes people will come back to me and say, You know, they they didn't want to listen. Well, you know, (laughs) we're not into proselytizing the truth. You know, if people want to hear what the Buddha has to say, oh, well and good and great. But we're not out there uh, knocking on doors to, to give the truth. Our motivation In giving Dharma should be without consideration for wealth, honor, praise, fame. That goes for any generous act, but rather with thoughts of compassion. And the only reason we want to give Dharma, the only reason we want to give Dharma, is to relieve the suffering of other beings. And anyone here in this room, who has experienced the teachings and began to put them into their own lives, experience some degree of relief from their suffering. The other thing is, when you are asked to give something about your uh, understanding of Dharma, be very hesitant to do so and make sure that what you are saying is the truth and not just some opinion that you've put out. I really worry when I teach here that sometimes I may be giving more of an opinion than the truth. So I try to be really careful and say, well, this is what I think. But I'm better off if I'm quoting people like Gompopa rather than giving what Tom Broadwater says. If I I wanna spend a lot of time talking about what Tom Broadwater says, I'll I'll start my own little religion. If we look, you and I look, how we've given in the past, our giving, given the criteria that I've just established, has never been perfect. There's always a taint of ego, pride, or there could be disdain. It's never perfect. So we are aspiring bodhisattvas. We want to give perfectly. But we're aspiring to do that. We don't do that. We aspire to be totally open to other people's needs in the moment. What do they need right now? But we're aspiring to do that. So how do we do that? How do bodhisattvas give generously and perfectly? Well, what the scriptures say is we give without characteristics. And I'll explain that in a minute. But we practice generosity without any characteristics. As I said, when we give, we're always thinking about, "Mm, you know, I'm giving. I'm really a big shot giving here. I'm giving this really big gift (laughs) or this important thing. People will honor me because I do that. And that's not perfect generosity. And why? Because we're so attached to this ego So how do we get out of that difficult problem? In the Mahayana, the Mahayana is the vehicle that the Buddha taught emptiness, and he taught compassion and love in that that vehicle. It's called the great vehicle. In that, in those teachings, we learn about emptiness. This is, by the way, not going to be a talk about emptiness. (laughs) That's a, a pretty big issue. But I will say, the clearer understanding we have of emptiness, the more pure our giving will be. So we increase generosity through our understanding and our realization of emptiness. Let me explain a little bit differently. The texts say, the bodhisattva when giving develops the freedom from the three spheres. What is that? That is the realization that the giver is like an illusion. The gift is like an illusion. The recipient is like an illusion. It's sort of like this, my wife and I got a great big screen TV a couple months ago. Beautiful picture, looks so real, you know? Didn't know what (laughs) what a big TV could look like. But you know, that thing that looks so real that has this picture that looks so real, when you look at it, It's pixelated, little points of light, isn't it? A bodhisattva is like that, he pixelates life. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? It's like, it looks for real, but when we go drill down, there's a lack of existence to it, okay? So, whereas I am, solid, real, and substantial. If I really look, if I look at my mind, where's my mind? Where am I? This illusion we have about a solid, real self. So the more we can start to understand the emptiness of ourselves and others and things, the more we can do that, the lighter we can be in our giving, in our treatment of ourselves and our treatment of others. So it's like that. So in that instance where the giver is like an illusion, where the gift is like an illusion, where the recipient is like an illusion, the noun generosity becomes a verb, a simple verb, an action. So according to Gompopa, if in the beginning, our motivation is to bring everyone to full awakening, not just temporary happiness, when I give, I'm thinking, may this help you become awake. If I can do that in the beginning, and if in the middle of my giving, I have no particular attachment to the gift. And if at the end, after I've given it, if I have absolutely no expectations to what you're going to do with the gift, or how you're going to receive it, or how I'm going to be treated as a result, If I can do all that, then I've given perfectly. Now, we're all working on that. (laughs) We're aspiring to that. But that's our goal. Just to give. To give with the hope that this helps you become not just temporary and happy, but happy forever. And that... Whatever I've given, I've given it, it's gone. And I'm not, it's not important that I receive anything back as a result. And if you can do that, you've gained full merit of your generous act. The texts say, once you give without, attachment to the gift, let go of all of that. Also, one should not expect result. Therefore, if one gives with great skill, there will be infinite virtue, even if one's gift is small. It's unimportant, really, the the value of the particular gift. It's your motivation, it's your mind. What are we doing in generosity? We're working on our mind. So that's the important thing, transforming our mind from being selfish and only thinking of ourselves to being concerned about the other. And whatever act we can do, however small, if that contributes to our selflessness, it's a, it's a good gift, it's perfect. Then finally, the last thing we have to do after we've given, we have to dedicate the merit. You don't have to, but I'm telling you, it's a good thing <laughs> to dedicate the merit of that act of generosity. Dedicate it to all beings. So simply say, may this contribute not only to my own awakening, but for the awakening of all beings. Any small act you do, you can do that. They say it's sort of like dropping a little drop of water in the ocean, this, this act of dedication. It will never exhaust. It will always be there as long as the ocean is there. It's sort of like that. It's an analogy. Don't carry it too far, but you, you, you get the point. So you dedicate the merit so it's not something you selfishly hold on to, but for the benefit of all beings. I'm going to say a little bit about the Vajrayana, which is (coughs) the third vehicle uh, that the Buddha taught. How does generosity play out in the Vajrayana? Well, not so much different. How is a bodhisattva practicing the Vajrayana different? And I'm going to tell you, not much. So let's talk about what is the Vajrayana. It's using our imagination, isn't it? When we're doing chin-raising practice. Uh, when we're doing uh, tar, green Tara, we're using our imagination, right? That's the only difference. You know, in Shamatha, imagination is sort of like our enemy, right? I mean, what is our imagination other than thinking of the future or thinking of the past? So when we're meditating, we're, we're not using our imagination. But in the Vajrayana, it's our friend. We use it. It's a powerful tool. So we use visualizations. I know a lot of people say they have trouble visualizing, right, you know, but you visualize every day. Every time you think about the future, which isn't here, you're visualizing. When you're thinking about the past, which is no longer here, you're visualizing. So maybe it's not so difficult to visualize. When we do pujas, and for the Catholics in the group, it's sort of like our mass, (laughs) sort of, (laughs) Um, when we do Green Tara, when we do Chinrezig, when we do uh, Medicine Buddha, what do we do? We imagine offerings, right? We make offerings to the mandala. And so that's how we use generosity within the practices of the Vajrayana. Then there's Chud. Has anyone heard of Chud practice? Yeah, it's a few. Basically, it's a practice where we make an offering. We visualize all these enlightened beings in front of us, and we make offerings of our body. We visualize giving away our body. So even in the Vajrayana, Generosity is a, is something we can, we do do, but it's simply in visualization. So that's my talk on generosity. And I wanna sort of ask you, does that differ than what you thought was generosity? So we have a few moments. What I'd like to do is to do a visualization ourselves and show you the power of visualizing. It's called Tong Lin. Has anyone done Tong Lin before? A few folks. Yeah. So it's, it's about exchanging self for others. It's imagining other folks and their suffering taking it in, allowing it to dissipate in our generous hearts and out of that generous heart giving whatever that person needs. We take it in in the form of dark smoke, let it dissipate, and we exhale bright light imagining in that bright light whatever they need they are given so this is this is an, a visualization of generosity and we we use our breath imaginatively use our breath. so we breathe in whatever the suffering is, and we breathe out our love and compassion. The text, Jandam Contral the Great says, begin with ourselves because we suffer. And we need to work with that too in Tong Lin. So, assume a nice, comfortable posture. If you want to close your eyes, you can, it doesn't matter. Nice, straight back, relaxed. Visualizing yourself. Think of all the obstacles you encounter when you try to be generous. Maybe that's your miserliness. Maybe that's your fear. Maybe it's your thought, I don't know what to give. Your fear, it might be your fear. Breathe that in as if it were black smoke. Allow it come into your body and let it just Dissipate. Dissipate because at heart, you are a generous, loving person. And within that generous, loving person, that fear, that miserliness simply dissipates. And on the out-breath, give to yourself all that you need to be generous, to have a loving kind heart. Breathe in the fault. Breathe out generosity, whatever you need to be generous. Let's do this just for a moment. Nice, easy breaths, natural. Recognize your lack of generosity. Bring that in deep within your heart and breathe out in the form of bright light all that will create generosity in your heart. let's make the object of our Tonglen, our giving and receiving others. Those that are greedy, those that lack generosity, hoarders, mean-spirited individuals, visualize them in front of you. Visualize their suffering because of that lack of generosity. Breathe that in, in the form of dark smoke. Allow it to come into your heart. Allow it to dissipate there, because you do have this kind heart. And breathe out in the form of white light, whatever they need to be kind, loving, generous, and present to other suffering beings. Let's do this just for a moment. Don't be afraid. Breathe it in. generous heart is a suffering heart. Finally, let's recognize every person in this world suffers, no one is escaping suffering. And we can think right now, particularly of particular folks that are suffering, victims of war in Ukraine, victims of human suffering, high school kids being bullied a poor and hungry world. It's all out there. There is no one not suffering. Visualize that. That's a pretty big group of people. And so in this, when we take it in, we say, if I could, I would help. I know right now I'm not able, but I see the suffering, and if I could, I would, and offer whatever you have in the form of white light to all those beings, and everyone suffers. We offer the goodness that's in our heart in the form of bright light. So let's just do this for a moment. finally gampopa says generosity supported by compassion means giving because you cannot bear the suffering of beings individually or in general mm-hmm. we have 5 minutes if Anyone has a question or a curiosity or a thought? I'd be glad to have that. And speak slowly and sort of distinctly. I can't hear very well. <laughs>
2: well, that, that makes two of us. <laughs> uh, thanks, Lama Tom. I may say that was an excellent talk. Uh, I I hope I have not asked this question before, but whenever the paramitas come up, I, my ears kind of perk up because it was one of the first, uh, things I encountered in Buddhism that really hooked me. And the thing about them, at least back in my early exposure, I'm hoping this was correct was sort of the idea that they um, are are like spontaneously arising, or or there can maybe in the Bodhisattva, maybe we would say that there's an aspect of, you know, spontaneous arising, you know, as opposed to the a Christian perspective, where it's only by, you know, sort of you ah. know, kind of, you know, taming our fundamentally evil natures that we come to an ability, you know, to act generously and patiently, and so forth. Um, so I think my basic question is whether or not that uh, the emptiness that you talked about uh, is is sort of somehow connected to that idea of spontaneous arising, and you know that. Maybe like a fruit of meditation is to sort of have a spontaneous yeah. impulse to generosity and so forth.
1: Wow. That's a big question. And, uh, I'll try to answer it, um, taking it apart. First of all, we all have to admit that for most of us, it's a practice. So there is a, um, a certain lack of spontaneity because we have to practice. It's something we have to be conscious of and mindful of because we tend to be selfish. So breaking those walls down requires effort and practice. And yes, emptiness does have something to do with it, because if we have a really perfect understanding of reality as it truly is, the pixelization of life. If we really had an understanding of that, there would be no weight to our selfishness. We would be light. We just give. It would be be spontaneous. Um, And what can get us, however, to be joyous about it, even though we may not be spontaneous about it, we can be joyful about it because we know as, a, as the result of karma, if we do good things, we create future good mind states. So if I act generously now, I can be assured that at some future date, that will uh, bear fruit in a helpful generous, loving, kind mind state, a happy mind state. So I don't think we're spontaneous now, but we can be joyous uh, because it it is going to benefit us in the future. And more importantly uh, 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 in all of this is even beyond our happiness currently, we can think that by being generous, it will bring us perfect happiness outside of samsara. One of these days. Does that answer the question? Yeah. So all that's tied up together. And but right now, obviously, we are performing these virtues imperfectly. Uh, and the bodhisattva ideal is what we are asp- we're aspiring. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Are you, are you able to hear me? All right. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I was hoping you could speak more on fearlessness. I, I get the sense that there is a lot of fear amongst a lot of people, a lot of anxieties. And I wonder if you think it's appropriate to use fearlessness as sort of our gift as generosity to help quell those fears.
1: What do you think?
3: Hmm. I think it can be, but personally I fear that by give I fear, oh the irony. <laughs> personally, I, I fear that by by giving fearlessness, maybe some people won't feel heard, and I wonder how to balance that. Keep going. I have to derive my own answer. Um, Yeah. I think there's a way of doing both, perhaps. You listen and have their fears be heard and do what you can to comfort them and quell them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there is something real about their fear. They experience it as quite real. Not to listen to that, not to be present to that is dismissing them and Mm -hmm. probably would cause them to be even more fearful, wouldn't it? You know, if I come off fearlessly to someone who's fearful, they're allowed to say, gee whiz, why shouldn't I be like that? (laughs) And wind up being even more fearful. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I love the idea of being fearless, but it has to be done carefully, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Thank you for that.
1: Thank you. So we have come to the end of the hour. And what we do, as I said in my little talk, we have to dedicate the merit. You came here on a cold day, you could have been doing anything else besides being here, but you were. Don't pat yourself on the back too much, but you know. But rather than doing that, we're going to offer the good deed you did here today by coming here. We're going to offer that for the well-being of all beings. So the dedication of merits on the back side. If we'll say it all, and as my first grade teacher said, use your outside voices and we'll say the dedication together. By this merit, may all attain omniscience. May it defeat the enemy wrongdoing from the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness and death from the ocean of samsara, may I free all beings. The courageous Manjushri, who knows everything as it is, Samantabhadra, Bhadra, who also knows in the same way, and all the bodhisattvas that I may follow in their path, I completely dedicate all this virtue. Thank you. You all have a great week.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Texam Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk.